Hello, welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is called The Inch High Samurai, a Japanese fairy tale adapted by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Archer and his family, Hannah and Daniel and their family, Connor and Tegan and their family from Chennai, India, and Charlotte and Leo and their family. Thank you so much, Leo, Charlotte, Tegan, Connor, Daniel, Hannah, and Archer. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to Amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. For as little as $1 per month, our Patreon subscribers also gain access to a special commercial-free feed with all of our past episodes on it. The feed works with any podcast player, and you can email us if you need help setting it up. Hey, grown-ups! Power up your family's playtime with the Nintendo Switch system, the home of Mario and Friends. Jump into the unexpected with Mario, Princess Peach, and more in Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Or challenge each other to a race in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Go to Nintendo.com and browse the full lineup of Nintendo Switch systems. Additional accessories may be required for multiplayer mode. Games, system, and some accessories sold separately. Hi, everyone! I'm excited to tell you about the brand new season of the podcast, Music Land Stories. Music Land Stories is a weekly podcast for kids that takes you on an adventure through the universe of Musicland. The musical Easter eggs and epic stories are sure to be tons of fun for the whole family. Take a listen to what's in store. I'm the conductor, and now, on a brand new season of Music Land Stories, I'm going to take you all the way down to the ocean floor of the deep blue sea. And I've recruited a new crew of sonic expeditioners that I can't wait for you to meet. Together, we're on an underwater odyssey to capture the song of the last Leviathan, a giant sea creature who splished and splashed beneath the sea for thousands and thousands of years. Listen to the newest season of Music Land Stories, airing weekly every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. The Inch High Samurai Once upon a time, on a stormy little island in ancient Japan, there lived a husband and wife. They were a normal couple in every way. They fished the seas in a small boat with their neighbors. They strained and boiled seawater for salt. They worked and played and ate and drank and lived on their stormy little island and everything was absolutely normal. Until it wasn't. The couple wanted a child, but so far, they hadn't been able to have one. They had wanted a baby girl or boy of their own for so long that they had given up even on hope. But hope hadn't given up on them. One miraculous day, without word or warning, the wife found herself pregnant. The couple was overjoyed, a baby at last. Smiling from ear to ear, the couple settled in for the usual nine months of baby growing. Their baby boy came just two weeks later. He was beautiful, whole and healthy, perfect in every way, but one. He was only one inch tall. This didn't bother his parents. 
They named him Isun Boshi, which means one inch, and they loved him fiercely. In a big city, maybe little Boshi would have been famous, but very few others lived on the stormy little island. And while those few marveled at such a tiny baby, they marveled even more when, over the course of the year, the baby boy didn't grow. Not at all. Not an inch. That isn't to say he stayed the same. He changed and learned with an astonishing speed. At the end of that first year, it seemed as though someone had taken a healthy, whip-smart teenage boy and shrunk him down to the size of your thumbnail. He was brash and adventurous and reckless as young people are wont to be, but his parents kept him close, never letting him out of sight. Boshi understood why his parents were concerned, but he yearned for more independence. One night, as his mother was telling him his favorite story about a wandering samurai warrior, he couldn't hold it in anymore. When I grow up, I'm going to be a samurai, he said, snuggling into the tiny bed his father had whittled for him out of a piece of driftwood. I'm going to defend a lord and sword fight robbers and ninjas. You're too small to be a samurai, little Boshi. That's impossible, his mother said. You'll live with us on the stormy isle. I will be a samurai, Boshi said. Well, I don't care how small I am. I can work hard and learn just like anyone else. Listen to mother, Boshi. It is impossible, said his father. You're too small for sword fighting. We love you and don't want you to be hurt. Stay with us. Stay where it's safe. Yes, my Boshi. Stay with Mama. Yes, Mama, he said, but something had shifted inside him. He knew then that he had to leave the stormy little island right away, or he might never again have the courage it would take. Later that night, after his parents were asleep, Boshi slipped from his bed atop Mother's table. Small and silent as a mouse, he climbed down the table leg and made his way into the kitchen. It took him many moonlit hours of work, but by the sword-gray light of early dawn, he was ready. He may have finished faster, but he didn't want his parents to worry more than they already would, so one grain at a time, he spelled out a message with rice. I have gone to become a samurai. With luck, I will one day return. With love, your little Boshi. He had also taken a few things. Namely, a bowl, two chopsticks, and a sewing needle. The needle was his sword, the bowl was his boat, the chopsticks his paddles, and by the time sun peaked from behind the clouds over the stormy little island, he was miles away, swept out to sea on the changing tide. That evening, the sea grew wild and choppy. Boshi clung on desperately as water tossed his bowl boat this way and that. Waves towered above him so high their tops were lost in the clouds. Finally, as the last of his strength was failing, Boshi saw a boat approaching between the waves. Had they seen him? He tried to call out, but a wave crashed into him and the seawater rushed into his throat, making him cough, making his head spin and his vision blur. The boat was getting closer. Too close. It sped towards him, a colossal wall of wood and tar. Boshi tried to scream but only coughed. The boat hit his bowl with a sharp crack and drove him under, deep into the churning, endless sea. 
The next Boshi knew, he was being set down somewhere soft. His head felt thick and feverish and it hurt terribly when he moved too fast, but he wasn't drowned, so he was thankful. Thank you for bringing this oddity to me, a dry, authoritative voice said. Beeman, please see that the good captain is given gold for his efforts. Thank you, my lord. That is too generous, my lord. Boshi felt himself fading in and out of sleep. It was a struggle, but he finally managed to sit up, blinking his eyes and stretching tenderly. He was on a feather pillow in the middle of the largest room he'd ever seen. The walls were a smooth, dark wood, the furniture ornate and gilded. Sunlight poured in from windows that stretched from the floor to the ceiling far above. At one end of the room was a set of doors. At the other, a chair so lavish it was nearly a throne. Next to his pillow, Boshi saw there was a tiny bowl of water and a tiny bowl of rice, both sized perfectly for his hands. He drank deeply and then began to eat, feeling better with every bite. Boshi looked up at the sound of footsteps entering the hall. It was a small group of people. One was obviously a lord, and the young girl in the fine dress would be his daughter. A few seemed to be advisors or other officials, dressed for noble work. It was the last two, though, that caught Boshi's eye. For they, they were samurai. Their armor was layers of hard black and midnight blue. One's helmet mask was a stern, mustached face. The other was a laughing demon. At their waists, they both wore the long swords known as katanas. They seemed hulking and invincible, and Boshi wanted to be one more than ever. Ah, I see our guest is awake, called out the lord as they approached. Little man, can you speak? Boshi stood and straightened his sea-stained clothes as best he could. I can speak. My name is Boshi. Can you tell me where I am? The lord and the others laughed with delight. He speaks, a real living tiny boy, said the daughter. Up close, Boshi saw her eyes were the same color as the sky back on the stormy little island. They made him feel strangely at home. Boshi, my name is Akari. You're at my father's home. He is the lord of these lands. A fisherman found you in his nets and brought you here. Tell us, Boshi, said the lord. How did you come to be so small? I was born this small, my lord. Remarkable! And you never grew? Just my hair. Amazing! Tell us of your home. So Boshi told them all of his parents, and the stormy little island, and the samurai stories, and the rice grain note, and the bull boat, and the chopstick paddles, and everything else. When he had finished, the lord smiled and shook his head. A daring adventure, but I'll have a boat take you home. I'm afraid your parents were right. It is impossible. You're too small to be a samurai. I'm not too small, said Boshi. Give me a chance and I'll show you. I work really hard. Tiny people can do as much as anyone. And who will you protect? I don't have the time to be carrying you from meeting to meeting. I'm a busy man. Me! He can protect me! said his daughter, Akari. What? Akari? I think he's brave coming all this way, and it would be nice to have someone my own age to talk to. 
The Lord looked at his daughter with a long and measured gaze and then sighed and shook his head. Fine, but you're responsible for him. Don't either of you come crying to me if a hawk carries him off or he falls through a crack in the floor. I won't. Thank you, sir, for this. I won't let you down. I won't let either of you down. All right, go on, then. I have lord business to attend to. Akari brought Boshi to her room and set him down in her dollhouse. It was beautifully made and, for the first time in his life, Boshi was able to have a home where everything was just the right size. The next few months were the best of Boshi's life. He spent his nights guarding Akari and his days studying the samurai guards and mimicking their practices. From time to time, they would invite him onto their simple wooden table where he would show them his technique with his needle sword. The pair, who gave their names as Jin and Hin, would advise and correct Boshi's form. Once, Jin even took up a needle between two fingers and tried to fight Boshi, but he quit when Boshi's little sword drew blood and Hin laughed and laughed. There was no question that the day's training were amazing, but Boshi liked the evenings even better. After dinner and before bed, he would sit and talk with Akari for hours. It soon became clear that they were falling in love, but they both knew it could never be. Not only was he an inch tall, he was also a peasant, and that meant at that time that he was not fit to marry the daughter of a lord. So even though they talked and laughed each night until the stars claimed the sky, they never spoke about their secret feelings. Until, one night, a monster came to steal Akari. Everyone was asleep but Jin, Hin, and Boshi. The two samurai were in the hall outside of the bedrooms, and Boshi was inside Akari's dollhouse, sitting on the tall watchtower she'd made for him. It was a quiet night. The moon was nowhere to be seen, and even the stars felt dim. Boshi was on edge, nervous for no reason he could name. There was a heavy feeling inside his chest that felt like the air before a thunderstorm. He drew his needle sword and laid it across his legs. Across the room, the wall blew apart with a deep, echoing roar. Splinters flew, and one long as an arrow stuck quivering in the chair beside Boshi's head. The house shook on its foundation, and rubble rained to the floor. Jin and Hin rushed in through the door, swords in hand, and froze in place. There, standing in the smoking hole that used to be the wall, was a monstrous demon. Its skin was red and scaly, its curving horns were bone white, and each of its twelve fingers was tipped with a dagger-sharp claw. In one hand, it held a glowing hammer, shimmering with strange magic. As one, Jin and Hin rushed the demon, swords ready. The monster's hammer whirled into action. It blocked Jin's strike at his head and Hin's lunge for his belly. It blocked cuts from the front and back and lashed out wildly, leaving strange trails of magic light in its wake. Akari was awake and screaming. When had that happened? Boshi wasn't sure. He ran from the dollhouse and made his way to her bed, climbing up the sheets hand over hand while the sword fight rang out in the background. I'm coming, Akari! When he pulled himself onto the bed, everything had changed. Akari was sitting up and clutching a hairpin like a dagger. The samurai had backed the demon into a corner and looked to be winning. As he watched, Hin blocked the magic hammer's swing and Jin lunged ahead, his sword crashing into the body of the demon. Yes, Jin, yes! Boshi cried, 
but the words died on his lips. Jin's sword didn't cut into the demon as it should. Instead, it bounced off, as though the beast were carved from stone. The two samurai looked at each other and then at their useless swords. The demon began to laugh, an ugly sound like metal dragging over stone. With one twitch of his magic hammer, he sent the two samurai flying backwards. They crashed halfway through the wall and slumped over, knocked out. The demon turned and reached for Akari. Stop right there! The beast paused, black-clawed hand outstretched. Down here! The demon finally spotted Boshi, standing tiny between it and Akari, needle-sword at the ready. Boshi had a plan. A wild, desperate plan. You want her? You have to go through me first. I may be small, but I'm tough. The only way to kill me is to swallow me whole. Oh, I mean, uh, never mind. The demon laughed again and scooped Boshi up from the bed, ignoring the little needle jabs into its rock-hard skin. It opened wide, impossibly wide, its mouth round and red and sharp as a shark's. Casually, it flicked Boshi into its mouth and swallowed him whole with a rumbly gulp. Boshi! No! Akari cried, diving across the bed with her hairpin. It bounced off the demon's skin and skittered away on the floor. The demon reached out for her, its black claws inches from her face, and then it froze. Its face twitched once, then again, and then it roared with pain and lurched away. It dropped its magic hammer to the ground and grabbed at its stomach with both claws. It fell to its hands and knees and pounded at the floor with its blood-red fists. It cried out and rolled over, and then, with a final roar, the demon burst into a cloud of ashes and was gone. Boshi! cried Akari, leaping off her bed. Boshi, you have to be here! She sifted through the pile of ashes frantically, raking again and again with her fingers and finding nothing. Inspiration struck, and she grabbed her hand fan. She waved it back and forth, blowing away the ashes and leaving behind nothing but little Boshi, coughing like mad. Boshi! Akari cried, scooping him up and pressing him to her cheek. You're alive! What happened? Boshi sat on her palm and let her dab the ash from his face. I wanted him to swallow me. The skin was too hard, but inside was softer stuff. He drew his needle sword from his belt. I told you I'd keep you safe. Akari smiled and then froze, her eyes going wide. She placed Boshi down on her bed and started to hunt around the room. What are you looking for? Here, she said. In her hands, still glowing, was the demon's magic hammer. I think it's a wishing mallet. If you take one from a demon, you get a wish. Boshi looked up at her with a smile. There's only one thing I want, but I don't think I can lift that hammer. Don't worry, I can lift it just fine, and I think we have the same wish. Akari brought the hammer down gently on Boshi's head and whispered her wish. With a flash of light and a crackle of magic, Boshi swelled and stretched and in an instant was the size of a normal man. He looked around the room and then down at his hands with amazement. Akari, this was your wish too? No, she said, throwing her arms around his neck. This was. She gave him a kiss, and it was but the first of many. In time, Boshi was trained by Hin and Jin to be a true samurai, 
thus accomplishing his life's first goal. Shortly after, his new status allowed him to accomplish the second, marrying Akari. The wedding was joyous and well-attended. Boshi's parents were there, beaming with pride at all their once-tiny child had accomplished. Boshi and Akari went on to have many children of their own, all of them average-sized, and whenever any of them told their father what they wanted to be when they grew up, no matter how outlandish it sounded, Boshi always said the same thing. You can be anything in the world if you work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. The End Today's story, The Inch High Samurai, was a classic fable adapted by Daniel Hines and performed by me, Amanda Weldon. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. Thanks for listening! Hey, Prime members! You can listen to Stories Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today! Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus Kids in Apple Podcasts. Grown-ups, before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.